Welcome to the Vet Podcast by the Vet Gurus, Brendan and Mark. Get ready for the latest veterinary news, information and entertainment. Don't forget to visit us at the Vet Gurus website, vetgurus.com. Now, sit back, relax, it's over to the Vet Gurus, Brendan and Mark. Welcome to the Vet Gurus, Brendan here with Mark, episode 206, Friday the September the 10th, 2021. Tell you what, Mark, it's almost... Oh, oh, I cut it off a bit too early there. um, Premature. Excellent. Yes. Well, I'm just sick of it repeating, uh, Mr. (laughs) Outro. Yeah, we'll have to spend a bit more money and get a new intro and outro, I think. Uh, It's getting closer to the end of the year, Mark. Soon people will be talking about 2022... Christmas and the other celebratory season functions and all those sort of things. But I'm off to get my rabies vaccination tomorrow, Mark. Did you know that? I did not. I did not. I, <laughs> I know that. We must we must be in sync because I've just um I've just gotten uh, reminded to go and get my teeters done. Um so I, I yes. probably in all likelihood will be a few weeks and doing the same thing. Well, I had my annual grease and oil change at my GP about a month ago, Mark, and timed it with my final booster vaccination for my COVID vaccination um, series and had all my bloods done, et cetera, and then he, he was poking around through my um, <laughs> through my history um, and, <laughs> and realised that I hadn't uh, had my vaccine for rabies. Um, it's overdue for a year or so with what happened last year with COVID outbreak, etc. I think we skipped it. And the time before, I, I did have the teeter and it was below the 0.5. I think we spoke about this. If it's below 0.5, the recommendation is you have a booster. And if it is above 0.5, you do not. And mine was below, so and that was, I think, three years ago. So he said, oh, we can do the teeter, or let's just jab you anyway. So I just said, yeah, just jab me. <laughs> <laughs> so um, because it was low last time too, not that it necessarily would be still low, but I thought it's been three years and we'll jab and I'll do a teeter again next time. Um, so, so I'm booked in tomorrow for that, Mark, and I had to wait an extra 28 days after my last COVID vaccination because, as you know, I had the AstraZeneca version that um, does that very low risk of the blood clotting issues and um, he wanted to make sure that it was a good month after the vaccine for the COVID that I have my rabies. So that's my big plans tomorrow. Apart from that, I've got a day off, which is good because I've been quite busy at work, Mark, and we were chatting off air beforehand, weren't we, about some of my cases, and it was a bit of an unusual day in that I saw lots of dogs this week, lots of dogs today um, compared with the unusual pets. We still saw a fair number of the unusual pets, but it was a, a reasonable number of dogs. So had my finger up all sorts of orifices Mark um, today, and um, but having said that, it was a good day, and we'll talk about coping with um, 
the typical day in vet with our main topic, Mark. What about you? I mean, you've been flat out on here. <laughs> we, we've been um, continuing our journey through the uh, southwestern part of Queensland and we're, um, yeah, we're out on a farm near Aramanga and we're about to head to the um, Natural History Museum at Aramanga, which is famous for its dinosaur uh, fossils. Um, it's a bit south of the True Dinosaur Triangle in uh, central Queen, central West Queensland, mm. um, but um, but there are some very interesting uh, things to see paleontologically there. Is that near the big banana? <laughs> just or around the big the pineapple, <laughs> or just around the corner? Uh, yeah, it we've is. Got the, it, we've is got that, the big. Um, the big wombat. Um, there's a big wombat. There's a big koala on Phillip Island now, Mark. Um, not far from our place, but yeah, is this a loves... worldwide? Like I've I've often thought of this as just an Australian phenomenon. So I'd be very interested for our listeners overseas to let us know whether, as places yearn to develop a tourist reputation, do they, as in Australia, do they around the world put something big? A big, big fiberglass model. tacky, yes. yes. Do you know, do you know um, uh, Hexham Bowling Club, very close to my home, has a giant a big mosquito. Giant mosquito. Big from mosquito. <laughs> a big mozzie. Because uh. the Hexham swamps have the Hexham grey, which is uh. a very famous large mosquito. So, so, yes. Do they do that everywhere around the world, Brendan? I don't know. I just know. If you're in Australia and you want to develop a tourist reputation, you get the fiberglass out and you make a giant version of whatever. You build it and you build it big and they all come. Yes, vetgurus at gmail.com. Good segue, Mark. Um, that is where to send an email to. Say hello. Um, talk about what tourist attraction you have in your area and also jump to our website, vetgurus at gmail.com. Vetgurus, sorry, vetgurus.com. And that will link to all our previous 205 episodes and you can do a search there as well. And you can even click on support us and become a patron and send us a few dollars and we will spend it wisely. So, Brendan, I was quickly going to backtrack here because I was just thinking that um, maybe some people in other places around the world might not realise why you are getting your rabies vaccine. I think most uh, Australian uh, veterinary uh, professionals uh, um, would understand why, but why are you getting it, Brendan? Well, on the off chance that I get exposed to one of those species that carries the lysivirus, um, which is the bats here in Australia, or some of the bats um, may be carrying it, and the rabies vaccine um, helps protect from lysivirus. And yes, um, having said that, we don't have we have a policy of not seeing bats in my practice because um, I'm the only one who's fully vaccinated for rabies, even though um, there was talk at one stage of getting everybody vaccinated. It hasn't eventuated. So I'm just keeping up with my vaccine because I want to in case I do get exposed to it because I still do the odd um, little bit of help with the wildlife, Mark. Um, and you, I presume it's, it's the same with yourself, yes. It's inevitable that the you don't keep up with it and you will come across one way or another a uh, bat and um, you'll, then you'll be worried about it. 
Yes. So, yeah, that a good point, Mark. Um, that's the story. So um, it's not a cheap vaccine, too. Um, in, I'd be interested to see what happens in your neck of the woods, Mark. But in, here in Victoria, supposedly you can fill out a form and you'll be compensated and you'll get the vaccine for free um, if you prove that you need it as far as being a veterinarian that may be exposed to these species. Um, and But when I tried to do that last time or the time before, about four years ago, I got knocked back, Mark. Um, so oh, my goodness. I ended up having to pay myself. And last time I just said, no, I'll just pay it anyway. And I paid for it on work. Um, but it was it was about $90, the actual vaccine, $100, yeah. something like that. Um, and I expect that's what I'll be hit for tomorrow, Mark. But, um, yeah, so there you go. So that's my big day off tomorrow, Mark, is off to get my rabies vaccine. And um, that's about it. Maybe chillax um, after that. So I think you should jump into your one and only news story. And this is a, a bit relevant to what's happening in your area, Mark, um, because you said you saw some of this... Um, members of this species on the remote property you are currently situated? We are on a remote property and I was looking for birds and at night we have heard some feral cats and I have had the spotlight out and um, flared up the tapetum of one of the um, one of the resident ferals. So um, I am just a little bit cautious about um, padding them and this article gives me, um, you know, some... Uh, to be honest, Brendan, this is, you know, I, <laughs> excuse me, um, I support um, research in every direction. I think there should be no um, limit to the direction that knowledge, you know, expands. And if you try to control it, you'll limit its possibilities. So I love um, research in all sort of novel directions. But I don't know there's a particular type of research which, I don't know, uh, what's the best way to put it? Um, confirming self-evident truths might be. So this article talks about letting a cat decide uh, when to be petted is the best way to limit the chances of, um, of an adverse reaction of aggression. So experts in feline behaviour and welfare from England have a team at Nottingham Trent University who published their findings in Frontiers in Veterinary Science. Um, they developed a simple set of interaction guidelines um, based on cats' behaviour and body language, um, encouraging people to think about where to stroke them, which is aimed at improving interactions between cats and people. Because we all know that um, there's a certain type of cat that you give a pad, it bunts up to you, it does a few head butts, it rolls over, lets you scratch its belly, then it sinks all four, all claws on all four limbs and every pointy dental uh, into your arm all in one go and um, then runs away completely offended that you continued petting that millisecond beyond the tolerable time. And Laura... Lauren, Lauren Finker, Dr. Lauren Finker, the lead researcher on the study, um, she worked with an animal welfare charity, Battersea, um, to develop the guidance for owners and cattery staff to address the fact that many people struggle to recognise that merely second up to which the cats enjoy being petted and beyond which they do not. 
Um, they've even very cleverly created an acronym, CAT, which stands for Choice and Control, Give the Cat Choice and Control, Pay Attention to the Cat's Behaviour and Body Language, and Think About Where You Are Touching the Cat. Um, and, and research suggests that people who follow um, these mindfulness-type guidelines um, markedly improve their comfort uh, during the interactions, but also improve the cats. And I can imagine that sort of thing snowballing into, um, you know, much better interactions between cats and people all the time. So there you go. Follow the simple cat guidelines um, and ensure that uh, cats are never overwhelmed by petting. Um, and as I said, people being mindful. And what do you know? The cats will behave less aggressively. My acronym, acronym Mark, is PUR. Well, what, what, does that st- what does that Pat stand the cat. <laughs> Pat the cat. Understand what's going to happen and run. <laughs> right now. <laughs> yes. Well, you'll probably get funding for that study. <laughs> well, my, my one and only news story, Mark, is about Rambo. Um, I love this story, and I think you enjoyed it as well. Rambo the fox that cannot be caught. For three years, wildlife conservationists have been trying to track down an elusive fox in New South Wales that's been trapped in a a fenced-off area of forest around about 5,800 hectares. Despite, Mark, many, many, many hours, I think they've, they've, they've clocked up 465 hours of trying to hunt this fox um, and they've placed 3,000 baits and there's something like 96 cameras um, throughout the um, region of forest there or bush there, Mark, um, and they still haven't managed to nail this fox. Although a couple of the pictures that they do have of the fox um, is... Um, I think he's sort of laughing at the camera there, Mark, isn't he? <laughs> he um, looks really healthy and happy. He, he does. He doesn't look mangy at all. He looks looks his coat looks fantastic. Um, and yeah, that they mentioned in the article, he looks like he's almost posing. Um, <laughs> and uh, and we worked out earlier this year that he was aware of our camera locations and was actively avoiding them. Mr. Sparrow said, one of the researchers. So we mixed our cameras up to move them 500 metres or so away from where they were, where they were, and we started picking him up again. So it's a bit of a cat and mouse game they're talking about with him, but they want to try and um, find him. So the next thing they're doing is they're sending in scent tracking dogs on the site for a, a couple of weeks, Mark, to try and find Rambo. So... Pretty amazing that this this um, and supposedly Rambo's the only um, the only fox that's been left in that area. Um, so that's probably why he's having such a good time. There's no other predators in there. I went up and, to the Pilliga um, uh, area in um, Narrabri last uh, the year before last, um, and it's a beautiful area and uh, and it's so good that AWC has got this property and it's so good they're putting in the effort to clear it of. Um, uh, the feral predators, but it is a little bit of a, a um, an irony that one of them is holding the whole thing up. The, re- the beautiful thing about this location is they'll be reintroducing some 
um, critically endangered species that haven't been seen in the Pilliga for quite a while, um, but they can't do it until they've gotten Rambo out of the way. Otherwise, they'll just be giving him a feast and making his coat lusher and <laughs> fatter. Yes, old Rambo. And they estimate he's, a, I think, a three-year-old, according to what they – I don't know what they're estimating that on, probably because they have followed him since he was six weeks old <laughs> age or something, I'd say. Yeah, so there you go. That's my story, Mark. Rambo and the um, attempt to try and track him down despite many – person hours and cameras and and now the dogs have been sent in um let's see where they end up what did you think about the um infrared drone technology it was pretty groovy wasn't it yeah um it looked pretty snazzy i I bet you want one of them don't you definitely want one of them yes yes (sighs) yeah so there you go rambo well we'll jump into our news main topic mark and um we thought we'd finally cover the first of um, many more that we'll be doing on sort of um, mental health and, and coping with life as a veterinarian or veterinary technician. And we just wanted to jump into some of the some of the bits about coping with daily life um, in the clinic, Mark, and, and just sort of wander around some of the ways that you and I personally cope or don't cope um, with dealing with those busy days and the, our tips and tricks of, of doing so. So, Because um, it's often a, a requested topic, these sorts of things, and especially with these current times with the busyness of, of vet clinics and um, with the issues with curbside consults, etc., with with COVID still going on a lot of regions of the world mark and you know i think i'll kick off with my first sort of comment with this and that's um um what you mentioned don't well so you can chat about it actually um don't sweat the small stuff um was what what you said to me and um do you want to expand on that a little bit well just quickly before i start with that i was going to say two things the first one is that um that i wanted to validate what people feel i think sometimes like I know when I talk to you, it feels like I'm racing around barely holding it together and I talk to you and you seem like, you know, the coolest, hippest dude who's got it all sorted. Um, and so I always feel like an abject, you know, failure and I, and all those feelings about, um, you know, I don't want my colleagues to realise that I'm the one barely holding it together when I think we all feel like that except for you, of course, but um, I think all the rest of us, um, you know, at some point we do feel like, oh, this is just too much today. And so I think it is good to that we have this talk about um, the way that we cope with those times when it's uh, Yes, and, I, and we, all, we all certainly have bad days, don't we? And um, I'm no exception, Mark. I'm no exception with it, so it's trying to... Um, hold things together and and it's learning coping mechanisms and I think looking at the bigger picture and trying to develop the skills in dealing with it and um, that's what I'm constantly trying to do personally with with dealing with these sort of things and I think you'll see that with some of the comments I'll be making shortly about 
how to do it. So don't sweat, sweat the small stuff, Mark. Let's talk about that for a start. Well, I think it's a characteristic of veterinarians that we're problem-oriented. You know, our whole training is uh, dealing with uh, problems and focusing on the problems and solving the problems. And so when we have a day where there are a few problems, they tend to be overwhelming. Even if they are small stuff, they tend to be the thing we focus on. So we might have, you know, yeah, have a busy day, have nine or 10 or 11 cases that go just swimmingly well, but it's that one case that doesn't go well that um, overwhelms our day. And often it doesn't go well for, you know, no no one's fault. No, it's, it's small stuff um, that means it's not going well. A communication error, uh, you know, a thing that given time you can set, reset and uh, correct. So I, fi- I think it's a, a really good thing to um, focus on the things that have gone well and try not to dwell on those few things that have gone wrong. For, if there's major things that have gone wrong, for sure, formulate a plan and move forward with some form of resolution, but definitely don't dwell on that small stuff. Um, the, the other people involved, often it's a staff member, often it's a client, um, they will be a week or two down the track and they won't even remember it. So we've got to try and let it go, Brendan. Yes, and realise that even the big stuff too, Mark, I'd say don't sweat the big stuff as well, actually, if you can, because when you sit back and look at it, you think, gee, we we do an okay job most of the time, if not the vast percentage of the time, and, and to, to think that, gee, we're, we're lucky to do what we do and we're well trained with what we do with our team and our clinic and... We get berated sometimes by clients, or we may we, we feel belittled um, that we're not doing a good job, um, and we need to just step back and say, "Hey!" And I'm jumping into a few of the few of the other points I'm going to make at the moment, but um, that we just feel good about yourself and think, "Yeah, we are good," and stick together um, with it, and say, "Yeah, we don't need to worry about these little things, and we don't need to worry about these big things as well." And my first point really is be in the moment is what I've put down there on the list there Mark and what does that mean it means enjoy what you're doing Um, and that's that whole bit about being you know the current what's the current catchphrase mindfulness isn't it Mark Um, doing mindfulness and learning what's happening around you at that particular time and I think it's really just a variation on being in the moment Um, just just thinking isn't this amazing isn't this fantastic that I'm here squeezing a dog's butt and doing anal glands um you know who else gets to do this it's fantastic it's really good fun isn't it really you must admit well i think it is um, apart from the smell um or we're chopping off a tail of a bit of dragon or we're doing a de-sexing on a rat or we are doing um a dental on a rabbit um so we, we have all such those things they are they are genuinely amazing things that um not a whole lot of people on the face of the planet can do um and we get to do them and make the animal's life better and make the person who cares for the animal that animal their life is better um it's a it's a genuine uh fortunate gift we're given to be able to do this and sometimes you've just got to focus on that privilege um and uh, and like you said be in the moment and think how amazing is it um you know 
who would have thought 500 years ago that there would be people who um, put their hands inside animals, take out the reproductive system, sew the animals up, and they're all fine? It's, it's <laughs> an amazing thing. And even if it's the simple things like vaccinating a, a, a dog or a cat or any species that come in for a, for a vaccination and a health check, um, appreciate that you're getting to see all these great animals um, and all these different breeds of dogs, even if they're the breeds you don't enjoy and cats and rabbits, etc., and ferrets and guinea pigs and rabbits. Um, and you can have all, uh, you, you can see that um nasty chihuahua mark um in a console and you can wave it goodbye out the door you know so find something good in each each consult that you see and just enjoy it um so that's the be in the moment um sort of comment i'd make about coping with daily life even though it's a even though it may be that crazy day that things are are not necessarily going to plan and you're a little bit overwhelmed with the number of patients that are coming in and then an emergency rocks up as well. Um, still try and be in the moment and think, okay, you know, the day will pass. Um, my shift will finish. Um, my day will finish. I'll be heading home soon, and I can sit and have a drink and have a bit of a laugh about it all at some stage, um, or at lunchtime, or during a break, or whatever. So, it's 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 a matter of trying to just um, not panic i think is, is is part of that being in the moment and, and try and enjoy it you know it's it's that whole bit about um you know um i'll be able to retire next week or i will be once i win lotto i'll be fine or once i buy the bigger house i'll be fine and you just keep going on that treadmill don't you mark and and it, it, there's always something um greater and bigger and supposedly better um, out there but um, you need to enjoy every little day at, and every little moment of that work in life um, because and, you will look back on it with some fondness I can yes, tell you yes and you'll and you'll have those fun stories to tell your kids and your colleagues and bore people when you're in the nursing home about when I was a vet um, so, so those yeah, busy my, days those busy days yes. um, the, one of the things that I am not good at but uh, there's two things. For those particularly busy days, there's two things that really, I think, make a difference. The first one is try to consciously triage and prioritise things. Yes. Try to put the things that are, that are not immediately important. They might seem important, um, but they, you know, put them to the end of the queue. And some of those things, if you don't respond to that email till late tonight or tomorrow, then that's probably not the end of the world and you can focus on the emergency that's coming unexpectedly. At the same time, you've got to appreciate your co-workers, I reckon. Um, it's all very easy at that time when it's all a bit overwhelming and then an emergency comes in to just snap at the receptionist. Why did you tell them to come in? You know, we're busy. Um, everyone in the veterinary practice is trying to do the best they can under the circumstances and uh, and often there will be complex factors that lead to the receptionist or the nurse making a decision and you should trust them and and appreciate that they're trying to do their best under the circumstances just as you are yeah exactly and it's appreciating them and saying which is something that 
I need to do more often every day, um, not just every few days or when we have that super busy day and say, thanks, you did a good job today. Um, thanks for helping me out muzzle that dog <laughs> it's true brendan i think if you verbalize those uh positive it's very easy to verbalize the negative oh i'm so upset because we've got this extra case oh mrs why did you book that yes. consult in you know i'm too busy already yeah and like you said it often will go for a little while and i've forgotten to verbalize how much i appreciate what everyone's done how they've stayed back to make sure everything can get done just making sure that that's recognized makes a huge huge difference to sort of the the flow of the day and how everyone works together yeah and my next one would be um i'm jumping down this list a little bit mark don't take it personally and that's regarding what a client may or may not um say to you um that that um that you may take personally and and that's an acquired skill i think mark isn't it um that um, most of these are not um, somebody trying to attack you for the sake of attacking Brendan. Um, it's more that they're having a bad day, and they just happen. You happen to be the person that they pay out on, yeah. rather than the person at the post office or at the shopping centre or um, at, at the checkout counter or 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 their partners or families. Um, and and uh, you know, I was just amazed one. Forget who told me that um, many years ago, and and once I started trying to have that in my head, um, if I'd have a client in front of me who's ranting and raving, um, and I'd just be thinking it's not personal; they're just um, angry at themselves or or whatever, and it just made me a lot calmer about things, Mark. And I just sat there and I listened um, to what they were saying instead of trying to interrupt them and and um, um, argue with them and it just made everything go so much um, more smoothly. And I suppose with the clients that are, those f very few who, who are um, doing a personal attack on you, um, don't be afraid of sacking those clients. You know, Don't be afraid of saying to those clients, hey, you don't fit with our clinic. Um, you obviously don't like us because you've just ranted and, 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 and screamed at, my receptionist and my nurse and and myself um, about our treatment of your animal. Um, perhaps it'd be best if you found somewhere um, that will supply your needs um, as far as um, your animal. And um, you know, one of two things tend to happen, doesn't it, Mark? One is that they sort of grovel and then say, "Please don't get rid of me. Um, please accept me," and they end up being a very good client. Or two, they go away and the problem goes away. Um, so um, I think it is important that you don't spend a lot of effort and time trying to keep people that you shouldn't be keeping if they are somebody who is not nice, Mark. I know it's a, it's a um, you know, and uh, it's axiomatic for business that the customer is always right. Um, but I've grown, you know, once... That's probably important. Every customer being right is probably important as a business is just starting and beginning to grow. But once you've gotten past that, uh, you know, that first sunrise phase, um, there's often a lot of time wasted with those D&E clients who bring very little to the table in terms of business and actually you know, suck more out of the business than they bring to it. Um, and sacking a few of them is not a bad idea. And that can be, as you suggested, a, a very direct. I usually 
um, think it's good, you know, as you said, um, it's not about me. These are a whole bunch of other issues. Let them unload. Say that you'll take it on board and reflect on it and communicate with them later. Then put it in writing that um, obviously we don't satisfy um, your requirements as a veterinary practice. We're uncomfortable with you as a client and tell us where you want us to send your records. Um, and I think that's um, an exceedingly empowering tool for staff um, to say, look, this person, I want to have a discussion about them. And and often we'll get to sort of a vote-like thing. Someone may know something about someone that explains that behaviour, so we don't automatically go down that path. But um, we definitely have sacked our share of clients in our time, Brendan. And the relief, Mark, of those ones that you do do that, the fact that you don't have Mr Smith coming in every week complaining and, you know, he's been down to the shops and complained to everybody down the shops about the vet down the road, about their costs and that they're hopeless. Because um, I would see that Mr Smith is due in on Friday, on the Monday, and it doesn't make your week that much more tolerable, does it? Um, so, yeah, don't be afraid of, of sacking those clients if they and, are a real problem client. And Mr Smith's friends are very unlikely to be the sort of clients that you want as well. So it's good that he tells them not to come. Yeah. And it's good that he tells them that, you know, that's a practice that, that costs a lot to go to because you want to be a practice that charges properly so you can do things properly. Um, and if there's a, a, you know, a word in your suburb that, that uh, you know, when I go and see Mark, it's going to, I'm going to get the job done properly, but it's going to cost, it solves a whole lot of problems rather than people um, getting, you know, sticker shock when they show up and, and going, oh, I didn't think it'd be that much. Yes. Yes. Well, another thing, another point, Mark, that I always um, think about, and, you know, I'm sure you'll be saying, ditto, um, coping with that daily life in the vet clinic, is thinking about having your time off outside the vet clinic and, and making sure that you're switching off completely because I I think as veterinarians we're very, very prone, and veterinary technicians, um, um, nurses we're very prone to not switching off when we get home and thinking about the case that's coming up tomorrow the surgery that we need to do tomorrow the animal that we put on some medication that we're worried that we may have placed it on the wrong dose rate etc it's very important to switch off and there's lots of different techniques for that you know whether it's you know meditation or or sport um a hobby is certainly one that you and i um like doing with our photography and, and me with a little bit of woodwork and you with your plants etc it's it's finding something that's completely unrelated to the science of veterinary science um and isn't it amazing once you get stuck into your little hobby um after a big day or a big week at work that um just that all that it or any stress that you had just just melts away, doesn't it, mate? And I think this is particularly an important one for relatively recent graduates. I think they have, you know, going through university, they've trained themselves to be zealous with their time, absolutely laser focused on their studies. And then they graduate and they tend to apply the same um, all-encompassing attitude to their work. They, they really... Um, 
you know, it's a vocation. They live and breathe it. And um, and I understand, you know, they've been through five or six years of university and, and they've been laser-focused on this outcome. Um, but I think it's, as you said, absolutely critical to form those habits very soon after graduating, whether it's getting involved in a, in a sporting team, whether it's um, uh, uh, some other form of hobby. Um, I think it's absolutely critical. And the, the interesting thing is not just as you said, the direct um, weight off your shoulders when you move out of the area of, of veterinary responsibility. Um, but the the relationships within a veterinary hospital are, you know, it's a hothouse. And uh, the, the if all of us uh, uh, spend every waking moment thinking about those cases and worrying about the minutia, um, then it's highly likely that very, very small things are going to set us off against each other. Whereas if you have some other outlets, some other interactions with people on a sporting team or in a photography club or whatever, um, that just lessens the pressure on those uh, workplace relationships and makes them flow a little bit better. And it's something you have to do actively, isn't it, Mark? It, it's And I th- you mentioned about young graduates. It's it's something that you don't typically actively put in your diary, and that you have to block out time um, on those days off, or or make those days off um, that well, you wouldn't have in previously, where you actually write down this three hour block or this half day. I am not going to write up my cases. Um, this is what I'm doing. Um, and if you don't actively put it down as an actual block of, of your time um, for the non-veterinary things, then you'll just let those veterinary thoughts and, and procedures and, and um, et cetera get, get stay in your mind, Mark, and you'll just and end up keep, keep doing those. And we've all had stages of our professional life where we've done that um, and it is particularly difficult for those new graduates who have a job at a place that they don't have a you know a, a social infrastructure um, set up that can be very isolating moving to a new town and starting a new job and it taking up all the time uh, but as you say that it's critically important to set aside time not just you know allow it to vaguely may happen to go, okay, I'm going to take these this half a day. Um, I'm going to do whatever, but it's going to be for me. And often I'm going to aim to uh, add a social element to it and it's going to be a counterpoint to the, the uh, responsibilities I have at work. And you touched on something there, Mark, especially again for the for the newer veterinarians, having a mentor, having somebody independent of the clinic that you can contact and ideally um, in confidence, um, have a chat to them about um, what's happening and, and basically debrief. I mean, this is our debrief, isn't it, Mark, every week um, with what's been happening and it's our de-stress for the week um, and having a bit of a laugh about all the mistakes and animals that have tried to bite or scratch or, or peck us. Um, and, you know, it's it, it's great that a lot of organisations like the Australian Veterinary Association has a formal mentoring system and, and you and I have been involved um, with that and um, I certainly had a um, couple of 
mentors when I was younger, Mark, that helped me greatly with um, my longevity um, in the veterinary profession. So, you know, it should be compulsory. And I think a lot of a lot of um, veterinary schools are, are, are going towards making it compulsory that you, you have a mentor attached to you soon after graduation. And I reckon it, uh, particularly, as you mentioned, we've both been involved in the AVA's formal program, um, but there, there's, I, I, I'd be interested in your opinion here, Brendan, I don't know, um, I, I think that informal mentorship that happened when we were younger, um, that seems to not happen as easily for whatever reason. I don't, I don't know that I completely understand it, but it was... Um, there were a network of, of senior veterinarians who looked out um, and took time to provide the benefit of their experience um, and, you know, do it in a lighthearted way, pointing out the mistakes that new graduates make, but leading you in the right direction. Um, whereas now it seems to be a much more, you know, the requirement for that formal thing, whether it's through the university or through the AVA, that it seems to be a very important thing because that, uh, um, you know, de facto um, osmotic mentorship doesn't seem to be as apparent. Brendan, have I dropped out? No. <laughs> I had myself on mute as usual. Um, I was listening um, and I was replying, but I realised I was on mute as usual. Um, yeah, I don't know, Mark, wh whether there is less of that informal mentoring or whether it's just because we're at the other end of the spectrum now um, that we don't see that it is still going on. And, um, um, yeah, even if you haven't joined a formal mentor system um yeah it's something you need to do um informally and that can be that can be anyone doesn't it doesn't have to be another veterinarian does it mark it can, just somebody that has an ear that will be switched on and listen to you um and hopefully provide you with some um a shoulder to lean on and um some some advice wise words do you have any other um, quick little tips there, Mark, um, for this little coping with? Well, we sort of strayed a little bit, but that's fine. It was um, it was supposed to be just coping with the typical day in a vet life of as a vet um, or a veterinary technician. But um, I think we've covered most of the things that popped into our heads because we did have a little less. But as usual, we sort of just ramble on. Um, any final thoughts before our Mr. Outro Man jumps in? I just wanted to reiterate that don't take it personal. It will the day will finish and you will be okay. Yeah, and I must admit I say that mantra to myself most days, Mark, when I get to work and I think, oh, this might be a good day, it might be a not so good day, but well, it'll finish pretty soon and I'll be back home um, patting the dogs and saying hello to the family. So, you know, life is pretty good. So I think with that, Mark, Mr. Outro's here and we will talk to you all next week. Thanks for listening to the Vet Podcast by the Vet Gurus. Don't forget to visit us at the website vetgurus.com 
where you can subscribe, view show notes, listen to previous episodes and more. You can contact us via email at vetgurus at gmail.com to ask a question or just say hi. Thanks again and see you next time. Thank you.